From WWNO in New Orleans and WRKF in Baton Rouge, you're listening to Louisiana Considered. I'm Carl Lengel. On today's show, it's carnival season in New Orleans and around the world. Now, you've heard of Mardi Gras. You might be familiar with carnival in Brazil, but during this time of year, there are multiple festivals around the globe, all culminating in some sort of Tuesday celebration. There's Dance to the Beat in Colombia, Battle of Flowers in France, Masquerade in Italy, Joa in India, and the list goes on. Today, we are joined by three guests from around the world to tell us about international carnival traditions. We have Raymond Johnston, a writer and local historian for expat.cz, who joins us from Prague in the Czech Republic to talk about the festival Masopust. Thanks for being here. Welcome. We're also joined by travel blogger Freddie Gomez to tell us about Shrove Tuesday in Cape Verde, Africa. He joins us from Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. And we're joined by Diego S. Lopez to tell us about Uruguay Carnival in Montevideo. Bienvenidos. Cheers. Here to help us out with some translation is Julia Hahn. Thanks for being a part of this, Julia. Thank you. I want to start by asking all of you just a little bit about the history of carnival in these various areas. Raymond, tell us about Masapust. How far back does it go? And what does the word mean? What are people celebrating exactly? Masapust literally means uh, fast of meat or end of meat, because by Tuesday, you would have to eat up all of the pork you had made following uh, Three Kings Day, because we enter Lent. Now, the Czech Republic's not very religious now, so that part of it's somewhat lost, but uh, meat, especially pork, is a very big part of Masopust now. Uh, It goes back hundreds of years, but there's significant gaps, and it was uh, banned during the communist era, so it's really, it's made a comeback since 1990, so a lot of of places now, even though the costumes, the traditions, what they're doing, mimics what happened hundreds of years ago. I think this year it's the 27th or 28th one in my neighborhood, which has one of the biggest ones here in the Czech capital and other cities are the same because there was nothing between 1950 and 1990. Now, Freddie, why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of Shrove Tuesday? And this one personally I know, but I remember pancakes. That was the big deal. But this is Carnival in Cape Verde. When did this all begin, and how has the festival grown and changed over time? Yeah, the the history of uh, our Carnival goes back to uh, 1916. People used to go on the streets, and um, Cape Verde being a former colony of Portugal, a lot of these traditions come from from the Portuguese and from from the Catholics in in general. Yeah, that's that's how it started out. And, and by the 1920s, you know, you have the first stories of, uh, of small organized groups forming, uh, having different parties. And, and from there, the, these groups started to, to evolve into, uh, into official carnival groups. The, the parade started to become 
much bigger and, and better organized. And in the, in the 40s and 50s, in 1940s and 50s, you started to have what you have today, which, which are a few large carnival groups from different neighborhoods in the city. Uh, and they compete, you know, for the title of the best, the best carnival group of the year. So, yeah, it's, it's changed a lot in, the, in, in these last yeah, 100 years. And it's, it's evolved into something, um, into the biggest carnival of, of the country and, um, and probably the biggest carnival of, of the region. Yeah, and it started to attract a lot of uh, a lot of attention from uh, co- countries in Europe as well, and and in the states. So it's a nice thing to to see how it's evolving. And Diego, many people, of course, associate South American Carnival with Brazil, Rio internationally. People know that that's when you talk about Carnival in Brazil, Rio. Tell us a little bit about the history uh, in Uruguay and what makes it different from the Brazilian Carnival. Diego, muchas personas creen que el carnaval en Sudamérica es todo sobre Brasil. ¿Puede decirnos sobre la historia del carnaval en Uruguay? ¿En qué lo diferencia del carnaval brasileño? Bien, por supuesto. Este, hay, hay una diferencia fundamental que es que eh, el, el carnaval de Brasil y, y fundamentalmente lo que se ve desde el exterior es el carnaval de Río, eh, con, con, con más precisión, ¿no? es un producto que, que si bien en sus orígenes es, es, es un producto cultural, se ha transformado en algo absolutamente turístico, eh, digo, tiene una, una, un, un componente absolutamente en, enfocado al turismo. No dudo de los orígenes, este, pero hoy por hoy es un producto turístico. El Carnaval de Uruguay es fruto de una evolución cultural, de una... Eh, de, del encuentro de razas, del encuentro de corrientes culturales europeas, africanas y más recientemente en el tiempo, sobre todo de, con mucha influencia brasileña. Este, te hago una pausa ahí para que puedas. The main difference is that in Brazil, although its roots and origins are, of course, within Brazilian culture, it's evolved into being pretty much a product for tourism in some ways, though in Uruguay, fundamentally, the Montevideo one is celebrated, though it's celebrated all over the country, it's very much a cultural product with African and Brazilian roots and influence. Let's put some face on all of these different visuals that we have of Carnival, some of the main events and some of the costumes. Freddie, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about some of the bigger events and what are the parades and costumes looks, look like? Yeah, the, the biggest event is, is definitely um, on, on Tuesday, on Shrove Tuesday, which is the, the day of the carnival parades and the, the official groups, they, um, they parade through the city center and um, there's a, a group of judges and basically the whole city is present in, in the city center watching, uh, watching the parades and, and everyone is, uh, is cheering on their, uh, their favorite, favorite group. Costumes. If you talk about the costumes and um, and everything around it, it's uh, a lot of it is is inspired on, on the Brazilian Brazilian carnival. So you know, again, you have this um, uh, kind of this triangle with Brazil and with Portugal and, and Cape Verde in, in 
uh, almost in the middle of the Atlantic. So a lot of it is inspired on uh, Brazilian carnival. So those images that you see from carnival in, in for example, in Rio, um, yeah, a lot of it you can see back in um, in uh, Mindel as well, with a lot of um, different teams every year and different groups with different teams. But it, um, it def- definitely resembles it a lot. Uh, Raymond, same questions. Most notable events, how's everybody dressed for them? Uh, here it's more, um, it starts on the Thursday before and, and, and leads up to Tuesday. So you have parades on several days, most notably more and more on the weekend because it is becoming more of a kids festival, children's festival. Um, you see some historical costumes. There's a man leading a bear on a chain. That's historical. There's a, there's this sense of the world's gone upside down. So you have men in women's clothing, women in men's clothing, but historical folk costumes. Um, there's another one you seldom see. It's kind of complicated. A woman carrying a baby in a box, but it's one person in a complicated costume where the person in the box is a puppet or the top of the woman is a puppet, but it's one person looking like two people. Uh, there's people in horse costumes, um, which, you know, the two-person horse costume, like the, the funny one you would see in Baudville, that goes back in tradition. And we don't really celebrate Halloween here, so you see children in Spider-Man costumes, uh, fairy tale costumes for young women and boys also, people dressing up in little knights costumes. So it's become a mix of like Halloween and a parade. Um, we, of course, do get the modern influence uh, marching bands with you know cymbals and drums, uh, puppetry people walking on stilts. So we do get that modern stuff as well. So it's become this big mix of folk culture and world culture. And um, there's not really one big parade, like every neighborhood has their own. And you can go through the course of the day and see parades in the different neighborhoods uh, across the town. And they all culminate in something like a big barbecue, because like I said, it's the pork festival is the whole point of it. And there's no getting away from the pork and it's definitely not for vegans. Diego, how about, uh, what are we seeing in events and some of the costumes? ¿Y cuáles son los eventos más populares en el carnaval? ¿Puede contarnos sobre los trajes y los desfiles? Sí, eh, bueno, nuestro carnaval creo, creo que es el más largo del mundo. No, todavía no encontré uno que dure más tiempo. Así que eventos tenemos muchísimos. Tenemos tres, tres, tres corrientes, este, tres eh, expresiones eh, fundamentales. Tenemos los desfiles, dentro de los desfiles tenemos el desfile inaugural del carnaval, donde participan todos los conjuntos que eh, van, a, van a participar del concurso oficial. Tenemos el desfile de llamadas, que se realiza en dos días, eh, Recién estaba mirando fotos del, de, del carnaval de Cabo Verde y no te imaginas la cantidad de puntos de contacto que hay con, desde lo visual con, con el carnaval en, en Cabo Verde. Este, después tenemos los tablados, que son escenarios donde pasan los conjuntos, cuatro, cinco, eh, seis conjuntos por noche, donde se puede disfrutar de la música, de, del baile, del humor... Eh, son escenarios que son cada vez más grandes, eh, hay escenarios para 5 o 6 mil personas, 
Antiguamente se realizaban en la calle, pero bueno, los tiempos modernos ya no lo permiten. Y la tercera opción es el concurso oficial propiamente en el Teatro de Verano, que ya les digo, se realiza a lo largo de 36, 40 días. Eh, eso es lo fundamental. Y después en el, en el interior del país el disfrute del, del carnaval es, es mucho más espontáneo, no es tan organizado como en Montevideo. En Montevideo tenemos un cronograma que empieza tal día y termina tal día. Uruguay's carnaval is probably one of the longest in the world from what he's seen. There's parades, uh, three of the main ones are the opening parade, in which all the bands that have participated in the carnival festivities and official competition participate. There's the calls parade, um, and there's the parade of the schools of the samba, which is done after the opening parade. Uh, there's also tablados, which are stages, uh, They used to be done, they used to be put all over the street, but because of traffic and demographics, it's not possible to set them on the streets. So they're done at local clubs. There's huge stages, four or five dance dance troops throughout the duration of Carnival, which, like I said, is one of the longest. It's 40 days. And there's also an official competition done in the summer theater, uh, which is huge. It's an open theater where dance troops participate and are subject, subject to grading on singing, dress, lyrics. Um, And there's, of course, carnival festivities all over the country um, that's done more sporadically. We're speaking with Raymond Johnston, Freddie Gomez, and Diego Lopez about different carnival celebrations all around the world. All right, let's talk about food. In New Orleans, signature food we eat is king cake. Uh, what about in Prague, Cape Verde, and Uruguay? Diego, let's start with you this time. What are some of the traditional carnival foods in Montevideo? ¿Cuál es la comida más popular durante el carnaval en Uruguay? Bueno, eh, nosotros eh, en, 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 fuera de, lo, de los lugares tradicionales, de los bares, las cadenas de comida, en Montevideo podés encontrar algo que nosotros llamamos carritos. ¿tá? En estos carritos se sirve el choripán, que es eh, la comida más eh, tradicional eh, para comer en la calle, cuando estás en... Eh, fuera de tu casa. Después los panchos, las hamburguesas, eso es lo que vas a encontrar siempre eh, cerquita de los escenarios de carnaval. Y lo que no puede faltar son los churros ¿tá? y las tortas fritas, ambos elaborados a base de harina y fritos. Este, pueden buscarlos, son exquisitos. Pero no hay una comida específica que se relacione con el carnaval. Um, outside of bars, you're going to find street food, essentially, choripan, which is one of the most traditional street foods, hot dogs, hamburgers. These carts are kind of all posted up next to the festivities. Of course, uh, churros and torta fritas, uh, but there's no specific carnaval-based food. It's kind of just the street food, um, local cuisine, traditional cuisine. Uh, Raymond, some of the traditional foods for Masa Boost. Yeah, um... We have a, before the Tuesday, we have a Fat Thursday where there are some specific pastries made. Um, and you eat this kind of jelly donut with bacon um, on Fat Thursday. I'm sorry, it's true. And there's a couple of other uh, kind of religious themed pastries, thanking God. But then the rest of the food is, you guessed it, nothing but pork. Uh, And 
there are specialties, there are things you can only get this time, time of year, things you would only get really near the butcher shop, right when the pork is fresh sauce. So there's blood sausage, there's things that I, I don't know how to describe it except to say it's a Central European version of haggis. If that means something to people, you know, the kind of Scottish food that can't be sold in the US because of health reasons. We have several very fresh sausages like that, parts of the animal that you normally wouldn't want to eat. Uh, head cheese is very big, if you know that. It's kind of bits of pork in a gelatin base. That's very popular. Uh, blood sausage, there's white sausage, which is a very fresh sausage that needs to be cooked right away. So again, all this is just getting rid of all the meat before Lent because you're going to have to go into that religious fast. No one does that anymore, but that's the roots of it. And um, Anthony Bourdain once called the Czech Republic the land that vegetables forgot. Yeah, there's whole plates of meat with no vegetables at all. It's pork, bacon, sausages, and a couple of jelly donuts is the festival food. Freddie, same question, please. Yeah, we actually don't really have a, um, a traditional carnival, uh, carnival dish or food, but you know, you, you'd expect some, uh, you know, a lot of street food, which would make sense if people are on the streets, but um, something that's always present is um, kachupa. Kachupa is um, the main traditional um, dish from, uh, from, from Cap Verde. It's a, um, a slow-cooked uh, stew made from a, a mix of, of, of beans, corn, some pork, and sometimes fish. So that's always that's always part of our our culture, our, our, our tra tradition. But we don't really have a um, a, a typical uh, traditional carnival food. Yeah, and something else is uh, uh, when you talk about carnival and party uh, and partying in uh, Something else is is grok, and grok is something that I always compare to rum or uh, or Brazilian cachaça. It's a it's a very strong drink. Which uh, which is made from uh, from sugarcane. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Raymond, you're not originally from Prague, but have lived there for quite some time. What are some of your favorite memories of Masapust? Was there anything about the festival that kind of surprised you? Yeah, it did kind of surprise because it it, it is winter here still. So it's very cold here, so uh, the idea of marching around in a big parade in the middle of winter and it gets dark very early so on Tuesday when when the parades happen it's it's pitch black and the kids are out and it's, it's very dark and it's very cold and then at the end of marching around uh, there are these open fires to get warm so it is a bit of fun in the middle of the what's still the winter and then one year just before the pandemic uh, the district I live in the uh, local city government gave out bags of fresh pork to everybody. So you just had to get in line. You got a shopping bag full of uh, sausages and head cheese and all kinds of fresh pork. I don't know what this cost the district, but but they gave out hundreds of bags of, of and it really high quality, like usable meat. It was, no, I was surprised myself. When I, when I saw this, I thought it's gotta be like the first 10 customers or something, but no, it was, it was hundreds of people. So, Diego, you were born and raised in Uruguay. Tell us a little bit about your favorite carnival memories from your childhood. What you most look forward to as you celebrate it today? 
Diego, por favor cuéntanos sobre la, sus recuerdos de carnaval cuando era niño. Hoy, ¿qué eventos esperas con más ansias? Bueno, mira, eh, el otro día preparamos la entrevista contigo este, para, para, para que fuera un poco más fácil de, 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 de traducirlo y de que se entendiera. Y yo he omitido en esta intervención mía toda la historia del carnaval uruguayo porque es muy, muy largo de contar, tiene muchas vertientes, mucho, este, sería un tema como para, para algo más este, específico. Este, así que bueno, pretendí omitir eso y voy a contarles una pequeña historia del carnaval. El carnaval es, 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 es burla, es ironía, es diversión, es baile, es color. Cuando yo era chico... Eh, Uruguay estaba atravesando una ruptura institucional. Tuvimos un gobierno militar durante 13 años. El carnaval se convirtió, eh, de alguna forma, en la vía de resistencia cultural contra esta dictadura. Y yo recuerdo ir al tablado a ver a mis conjuntos favoritos, y a escuchar cantar a mis murguistas favoritos, y a reírme. Eh, en medio de unos controles policiales y militares este, bastante duros. Eh, el carnaval para mí está muy asociado con la libertad, con la libertad de expresión, con la libertad en sí misma. Este, y eso quedó asociado desde, desde pequeño. Eh, se imprimió. Entonces para, para mí, eh, que añoro y añoro... Añoro eso, eh, ese vínculo tan directo entre, entre carnaval y libertad, entre esa búsqueda de libertad, que era real, que no era solo algo ficticio o algo subjetivo, era una búsqueda real de libertad. Este, así que bueno, eh, más o menos por ahí este, lo dejamos pues. He could really talk about the history of this for hours, but he'll he'll keep it short and say that um, Carnaval is, you know, within it, there's irony, humor, color, expression. And when he was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, there was a military regime in place for 13 years. And Carnaval became a place to see expression, humor, criticism over the regime itself to laugh, although there was censorship in place. Um, I see the links between Carnaval and a true search for liberty, even after all these years. Well, thank you all for being here. Thank you so much for this. Happy Mardi Gras to all of you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. You too. You've been listening to Raymond Johnson from Prague in the Czech Republic. Freddie Gomez talking to us from Rotterdam in the Netherlands about Carnival in Cape Verde and Diego Lopez in Montevideo, Uruguay. Thank you all. This has been Louisiana Considered. I'm Carl Lengel. Thanks to our guests, writer and local Prague historian Raymond Johnston, travel blogger Freddie Gomez, and one of the Uruguay Carnival planners, Diego Lopez. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber. Our digital editor is Caitlin Dumholtz. Engineers are Garrett Pittman and Aubrey Procell. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at 12 and 7.30 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered is provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from Southern Strategy Group. 